Hello, and welcome to um, our podcast this morning, Loving with Autism. Um, today we have two guests with us, Andrew and Kristen, who are both on the autism spectrum and have been gracious enough to share their experiences with us today. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. One note, my name is Kirsten, not Kristen. Kirsten. Oh, great. <laughs> Wonderful. And I'm... Everyone gets it wrong. Everyone gets it wrong. Kirsten. Everyone. Every single person. Oh, it's a beautiful name. Actually, uh, I think it better than Kristen. I have to be quite honest. Um, my name is Kathleen Longazelle, and I'm your host today um, as we um, talk about a couple things, dating and relationships. We started this podcast because... We wanted to take a look at love, friendship, and everything in between from the perspective of those on the spectrum. So thank you guys again for joining us this morning, Kirsten and Andrew. (laughs) Yes, thank you for having us. Excited to talk. So uh, before you two met each other, did you date anyone that was neurotypical? Yeah, I think, let me see. Of the people I dated, only one other person was on the spectrum and everybody else was either neurotypical or, you know, neurodiverse, but in the like mm-hmm. ADHD way, like no one actually on the spectrum. Wow. Interesting. Did you notice any differences from dating them versus someone on the spectrum? Oh, definitely. Very, very different. But also each person was very different, though I would say so there true. are overarching themes of the things that you know, we would connect over the problems we would have, that kind of thing, would be, uh, end up coming down to like the core personality differences that come with these types of diagnoses. Mm. And Andrew, would you? Yeah, I would, I would agree with all that. I mean, I mainly dated um, neurotypical people all throughout uh, college and beyond. Um, I, I did, I was seeing um, one girl on the spectrum, but it was it was very uh, short lived. Um, just because we could like we could both sort of tell that we were looking for very different things and and compatibility wise, you know, autism or not, you know, it just wasn't quite there. But right, um, you know, I've I've had pretty good success in the I guess the neurotypical world, and I guess Kirsten's my first major success <laughs> in the not neurotypical sense of it all. That's sweet. Do you guys feel like you connect on a deeper level, though, because you have an understanding? Um, you know, you can you can kind of see the um, that side. You have that in common, so you can, you know, commiserate in that way deeper, maybe? I will say a lot of the things I notice versus, say, I've had, like, long-term serious relationships with people who weren't autistic and, like, one of the person who was, and that... A lot of it, in my opinion, comes down to empathy that the neurotypical partners I had would really struggle to empathize with me. Wow. And I would struggle to empathize with them, you know, too. But where everybody says autistic people lack empathy, like, yeah, it's true, the cognitive empathy, like literal cognition standpoint of brain multitasking and theory of mind and stuff. But when you have open communication, that doesn't matter so much. And when you have open communication, autistic people tend to do better at empathizing with each other. And neurotypical people struggle to empathize with autistic people the same way that autistic people will struggle to empathize with them. So like with my last ex, who was very neurotypical, uh, and he would laugh at that, um, (laughs) that 
if you know we would be we'd be discussing you know a problem we were having or a problem I was having or whatever and if something would come up that was say like a sensory problem he had a much harder time understanding that or like once uh, we were at a, an autism event actually and after the event I was really tired and drained and we like were going to get pre-made sandwiches at some deli mm -hmm. and he was trying to help me choose the sandwiches by like picking them up and moving them around apparently so I could see the label but it just meant that I couldn't read them because he was moving them and so I said like I think I just quickly said stop doing that and he got all quiet and hurt and later said that he felt hurt that instead of slowly saying like oh thank you for trying to help but I would prefer if you stopped doing that I you know snapped at him whereas I was just being literal because I was tired I didn't even realize he was trying to help just like little things like that totally I think that also just goes for like communication in general I feel like if someone if you're like-minded with someone and they can understand that that would you know irk you I know that I, I snap at my fiance sometimes or he would perceive that as as snapping before we got kind of like deeper understanding of like what each other needed in that moment um, yeah I but totally, if someone's not going to make the leap there with you mentally to like, okay, let's not, you know, the sandwiches don't need to do a song and dance before <laughs> before we can read what they are. Or like things like that I, that it would offend him and a right. few other of my neurotypical exes, this would come up where they would be doing something to help me and I didn't realize it was help, help. they were trying to help me okay. and it would offend them that I didn't perceive that aspect of their behavior. And a comment that... Um, one of my neurotypical exes made that I found very interesting because he described an experience other people had kind of got tried to get at but couldn't put into words was he said that it was very frustrating uh, trying to you know be in a relationship with me though of course it was worth it at the time that um, he found himself he said it was as though he was you know a pilot flying an airplane with uh, an automatic radar to sense social things and all his life, the radar had been accurate, and he could trust his intuitive radar. Mm. And then interacting with me, suddenly the radar would have these malfunctions, where there'd be a blip when there was really nothing, or he wouldn't see something coming, and he would have to look out, and he couldn't trust the radar, and he had to manually override it all the time, and it took so much energy. And I laughed, and I said, oh my god, that's what being autistic is like with In everyone. General. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that is such so a good was, example, yeah. actually, yeah. Like, he was getting frustrated because he had to manually override his intuitive empathy with me, and it was draining. And I thought that it was probably good for him because it was getting a dose of empathy for what being social was like for me always. Wow. That's so awesome that you could have that experience and have, and have gleaned that example from it, you know, to use in your life. Andrew, what would you say about um, your experiences dating people um, on and off the spectrum? Um, I would say, you know, I, I echo a lot of Kirsten's points. Um, it's sort of funny because in my, I guess, I guess saying like empathy and like knowing what each other wants, I guess a prime example of that would be so we just moved and we have a two TV set up in our, in our bedroom. And we each have our own PlayStations. And I think while most <laughs> couples awesome. would, 
they're right next to each other yeah. too. And I so think, I think what's great is while well, most couples I think would one person or the other would really be pushing forward somebody playing games to like either watch or play a multiplayer game or, or be doing it together. Um, and I know in the past that, you know, I've been playing games and people that I've been dating are like, can I play? And I'm like, well, it's a one player game, so I don't really know. Right. <laughs> I don't really have patience. <laughs> um, and, but with Kirsten, what we do is we, we actively find ourselves, you know, end of the night and she'll be playing her video game, I'll be playing mine, and we'll have our headphones in and we'll be able to do our own thing but exist in the same room. And I think that's sort of an example of, of understanding what each other needs and we're awesome. both very, yeah. very good at that. Um, and also we just, we talk a lot. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so a good. Lot of, I'm a very chatty autistic. Yes, and <laughs> it's a lot of checking in and a lot of, you know, out of the blue, sort of like, hey, I was thinking this, what do you think of that, you know, in terms of our relationship and, and what we're doing, and um, she, Kirsten is very sort of research-oriented, where she <laughs> likes to find, like, read all these different stories and sort of compile her opinions and, like, back it up with fact, while I'm very much like, okay, let's, I don't care, let's just do whatever. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, like, like, just, like, sort of flow with it. Um, so, so in, in a way, our autisms are very different, and in mm -hmm. some ways, it keeps it interesting, and it complements each other, because we both sort of learn, I think Kirsten helps me, like, take my time more with decisions, and actively research stuff, and sort of think more outside the box, while I think I help Kirsten with sort of being less neurotic being less neurotic and like if plans change and being able to hop around and that you know if things aren't being, going initially being more flexible being more flexible exactly <laughs> so yeah we definitely help each other and then with other couples that I with other people that I dated um and other couplings that I've had it's they've been good and we've been able to communicate but I've always sort of sort of struggled with uh finding that balance between uh, being my own person and then being part of this relationship. And that was something that I always really struggled with because eventually either I would move, like I would, I would naturally sort of move on from the relationship, the relationship would reach a point where I'm being probably a little too distant and, and it would end that way. So this has been, we've been dating for over a year now. So it's a, definitely a major change of pace for me where my longest relationship previously was uh, just a couple months. Wow. Have you have you both talked about your experiences dating people who are not on the spectrum, and do, oh, yeah. do you find similarities in that experience? I talk about everything a lot. Also, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, that's so healthy. Honestly, I gotta say, I don't. Well, I don't know not talking a lot because I'm a I'm a big talker myself. But I feel like it's so good to talk about it. It, it helps, and you know, like occasionally, it and sort of, you know, people think, oh, communication, that's got to be so good. It's like we have a lot of awkward, difficult yeah, conversations. I'm, I mean, in my experience, one of the hardest things about being in a relationship where both people are autistic is that you need to put so much extra effort into the communication angle because that's the part that, at least one of the most common parts that will come the least naturally to both parties whereas when I was in relationships with a neurotypical guy the neurotypical guy ended up bearing most of the emotional labor in the relationship like 
mm-hmm. he would end up being the one, whether it was like a high school boyfriend or a post-college boyfriend, the, the neurotypical would be the one checking in, initiating the conversations, guiding the emotional conversations, doing the research, and like buying me books and stuff like that yeah. to yeah, like wow. do the legwork. And so when I've been in relationships with autistic people, it is more like a, okay, we're both really bad at this. Yeah. We've got to like knuckle down and like try anyway and talk even more and just both be awkward, but do it. <laughs> That's incredible. That's awesome. Do you guys, do you feel the same way, Andrew? You, you're talking, you're down for the talking, you know, like it's something that you both should be. Uh, if I have to, I guess. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more of the hesitant one because I think, I, I think Kirsten would agree that I, I tend to do better in more on off-the-cuff social situations like parties or meeting people and that sort of stuff. But when it comes to deeper discussions of like my emotions or how I'm feeling, I am not good at that. Um, so she's been very helpful in, in sort of coaxing that out of me despite all the resistance that I've put up towards sort of these emotional talks. Um, and it's it's sort of, she's been better at it than I think the people that I've dated that are neurotypical, because I think she intuitively, because of where she's come from, understands my hesitancy and my difficulty with phrasing and, and picking sort of the right emotion for the right, the right uh, topic. Wow, it's so good yeah. that you guys have. I, I do find in my experience that this is something that, I mean, for one, I have an advantage because I've been in more, just longer yeah. relationships, but also that I run into where autistic women will tend to get a little better at this more quickly than autistic men, because when you're in a relationship with, say, a neurotypical person, especially if you're in a heterosexual relationship, an autistic man who's not good at talking about his feelings, a neurotypical woman will run into that and go like, ah. Oh, He's such a man. Like, oh, this is frustrating. And I was gonna. Ha- I hate to say that, but I was gonna totally say that gender stereotype exists where exactly. we just write that off as like, oh, he's such a guy. Whereas, <laughs> like, a neurotypical man with me, and like even in high school, like my high school boyfriends, when they would run into the fact that I didn't know how to talk about how I was feeling, or the fact that I didn't even know how I was feeling, they would like become both fascinated and like panic about it. Because I'm a girl and I'm supposed to like be better than them, and they would like end up picking at that so much, and like right. I would, I was forced to practice from a very early age mm. by people who were very alarmed that I couldn't do this. Yeah. So I think I've just had more practice because I've encountered so many situations where I'm expected to be amazing at this. I'm sure you felt like an enormous amount of pressure to be like that, you know, gender stereotype girl that had all of her stuff together. So like you might have felt that you had to like get it under control. Or, you know, um, study it and, and pay more attention to your emo- like emotions more than um, Andrew had to because he was just written off as like, you know, oh, he's that basic guy or guys don't just have to know what they're feeling. Dude, I would prefer, I would prefer a dude, it. dude, <laughs> sorry. Well, <obviously> not <laughs> the correct term. <laughs> dude but and like, dudette. Yeah, it's, 
it's something where also, especially if you're like a woman in a heterosexual relationship with a man who is neurotypical, who is maybe capable of doing the emotional legwork, but I've, I've noticed also that it's very emasculating for men to realize that they are in the position of the emotional one. Yes. That like oh, they, yeah. will, they will start reflecting on it uh, at an identity level on themselves, that like suddenly they are doing all the emotional labor in the relationship. They are the one delegating chores to me because they have better executive function, all that kind of stuff. And it like gets to them. I'm sure. <laughs> And it's stuff that women, you know, do by default in every relationship they're in and that, you know, men have never had to be in that position before necessarily. It's, that's just like such a, like, that's a whole other, I feel like we need to do a whole podcast about like gender stereotypes and the differences on the spectrum as well because of, you know, your shared experiences with people who are neurotypical and stuff. I feel like that's a whole nother, <laughs> we need to do a whole nother episode. She could go I know, I, know I, I probably could. <laughs> no, I feel like it's so fascinating. Like, I'm, I'm, you're drawing me in. You're phenomenal. I love it. How did you guys meet? Um, it's kind of a long story, and I'm not good at concision because of autism. I could, I could start yeah. off, and then you could correct me if I'm embellishing. How does that sound? Okay. <laughs> All right. I love that. <laughs> Sounds good. So um, I, uh, it all sort of started because I'm working with this theater company called Tectonic Theater Project, and they, when I met them ooh, four years ago, uh, we were they were working on a play about autism, and how they did that was they interviewed uh, various people on the spectrum, off the spectrum, families and teachers, and um, one of the people they interviewed was Kirsten. Five years ago. This was five years ago that they interviewed her. Um, <laughs> So I knew, I, like, and I heard of Kirsten before, you know, Kirsten had actually, you know, been in the New York Times with one of her exes. <laughs> Apparently he, like, knew who I was, which well, is Well, yeah, you were cool. the New York Times, and, you know, saw It is article. the Times, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a big and deal. so cut, uh, cut ahead a couple years later, uh, Kirsten moves to the city and uh, asks my director, Anushka, if she knew any if, yeah. if she knew anyone in the city that could theoretically get Kirsten a job in the autism community. I asked who I should network with to and she said, Oh, I know who you should network with. We have this friend, he's also on the spectrum. He like is part of our play. He also works in the autism world. You here you should friend him on Facebook and like totally network with him about autism stuff. Well and, they they were telling her, Oh, you should network my directors were like, hey, this is a good opportunity for you, for you to talk to this girl. She's very cute. <laughs> um, and, Aww, so, that's and so we, we chat on Facebook for like a little bit, but we never became, like see each other. It became very clear that he wasn't able to get me a job. Like his his field is so different from mine that even though it's both they're both related to autism, it was I a was total like, setup. This isn't a networking opportunity. Total yeah, the facade, the facade was quickly uh, taken down, and so. Cut to like a year later on a World Autism Day, World Autism, yeah, uh, April. Was it April first? It 7th? was April first. It was April first. The, the UN Day was April first yeah. last year. And so I was working that day. You know, I'd gone to the filmed at the UN and I had a film uh, building. So in between sort of my shoots, my director said, "Hey, we're at um, we're at this bar with uh, Alex Plank of Ron Planet and 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 some other people. You should stop by." They didn't say my name. I don't think they, they mentioned you. Me. I don't think they mentioned you. Because <laughs> um, I think they were trying to be sly. I know. I think they were because they told me, "Hey, you should. You guys should." I ran into one of the directors of the UN, and he was like, "Hey, we're going out later for drinks with some friends. You should come." 
and it so meant that all, they were inviting him. So, yeah, so stealthy of all, them. <laughs> it's brilliant. And we were all just talking uh, at the bar, and then I think we went, we like all hung just, out yeah, the, just, next, like, hung the rest out of the night, night till like 5 a.m. And then wow. the next... Talk about video games, and then like three days later, we started dating. Wow, that's awesome. How did, how did, um, so like, oh, sorry, I just lost my spot. I'm like so immersed in the story. It's brilliant. <laughs> so when you first met each other, like, and that talking happened till 5 a.m., like, did you know, was there a specific moment that you knew that this, this is like a dating, this is more than just friends? Uh, I think, I think so. I was like, like, you know you how, like, you, you, know, how, you know how autistic people get yeah. obsessed with stuff? I was, like, obsessed with him, like, immediately. <laughs> so yeah, I'm so it's a good sign. And it was reciprocated, I hope. It wasn't, obviously. Probably not to the same extent. I get really <laughs> obsessive. <laughs> and, um, I think, I, like, part of the story that we always talk about is, um, I think within, like, three minutes of meeting, Oh yeah, he was There's telling a, he was uh, telling someone else there about some story based video game, and so I like immediately got excited because I just finished a game that's like that and like yelled across the couch area like oh have you played like this one game and which we both had and we, we're so with. we've been so we ended up but, talking about that for like an hour with everyone else just sort of looking on not sure what to do about it. <laughs> <laughs> Every tried to like wean us away from the conversation we found our way back in so you like probably instantly knew that you liked one another when this conversation was ongoing and how did it feel when you were having that long conversation you obviously awesome but <laughs> yeah and it's funny I, I mean i went into it not thinking it was really a date at all i mean oh i mean oh my god our first like date like quote quote date was like because I had been hosting my friend Alex who came to town to speak at the UN and so like you know me and Alex was sleeping on my couch we were hanging out so me and Alex were hanging out with Andrew and Alex's plane left or whatever the next day me and Andrew were like gonna hang out after work so like it wasn't explicitly a date I was like kind of hoping it would be a date but was like not sure just like gonna hang out so like I like you know, went to meet up with him in like where his work is or whatever. And like, he didn't even want to go out anywhere. He just like wanted to go back to his apartment to play video games, which was hilarious. And that's what we did. It was great. And apparently it was a date, I guess, but like it didn't, it was a very autistic date. But very low pressure. It seems like yeah. the whole meeting and everything was kind of just like a lot of like awesome, stealthy people getting you in touch with one another. But, um, I think the pressure thing is a big deal when you first like after, you know, kind of corresponding on Facebook and, you know, when are we going to meet or are we ever going to meet? I think that whole one-on-one um, -on -one pressure to put yourselves in like a date box or like what you think a date should be like, you know, can be alleviated. Nowadays, you can just hang out and talk and it doesn't have to be like this formal, you know, um, high pressure date where there's... When was your guy's first kiss? Speaking of saying goodbyes <laughs> and saluting. Well, it, <laughs> it, it, was the, it was the first date, and yes, April 6th. Yeah. Um, and it, it was the first date that he asked if he could kiss me, which I really mm, appreciated. Yeah. After we were like joking about how we should have done some formulaic, like silly thing. Yeah, that's, like, that's for squares. I, yeah, mm -hmm. just like 
overtly asking is always more comfortable for me. I, I would agree with that too. It, yeah, the, the formulaic stuff or like figuring out whether it's like time-wise the right moment or like is it a transition between activities or should you go for it during an activity or like whatever the stuff like that. I don't like just ask. Going for it during an activity, that seems dangerous. Right. I've, I've <laughs> heard people say that of like, you know, go for it when you're engaged in on the a same bicycle. activity together. <laughs> on a hike. Maybe... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe while driving. <laughs> I agree with you, though. Asking questions, I don't know when that became wrong. Like, we're always told in school that it's okay to ask questions. But for some reason, like, on dates, we just, like, go totally in our heads and ask ourselves a million questions and put pressure on ourselves to, like, find the right answer and, and do the right formula when just asking a question, even if it's an awkward question for an awkward moment, the rest of the moments that follow that question are immensely less awkward because you asked that one awkward question. So yeah. I think asking questions is super important and and it's okay to have to ask the to you know ask the wrong question or to say whatever we think strays from the formulaic dating you know outline that we have in our head. I think yeah asking the questions are really good and look at it, it got Andrew kissed at the end of the night so <laughs> it has to be working. You're both. And yeah, like I, I also find that um, people in general, but especially autistic people, will get nervous about asking like, oh, can I kiss you or whatever, because they think it makes things weird and makes them more likely to be rejected. But if someone wants to kiss you, they're going to say yes. And if they don't want to kiss you, they're not going to kiss you if you didn't ask and did it some formulaic way. Right. Like I, uh, a lot of my friends in New York are in the like, you know, kind of like academic, open-minded, like Burning Man community type of people. Mm -hmm. And they all, they're all neurotypical, but they all ask stuff like that. Like they have of a really course. interesting consent culture of like, if someone is gesticulating and, and they notice that they're about to like put your, put their hand on your arm to make a point, they'll first interrupt their sentence and say, oh, can I touch you? before doing it right. or like at the end of the night or like say you know a friend is introducing me to like a group of girls who I've never met and they'll and they'll come up to me and say oh can I hug you I'm a hugger and I can say oh no like I don't really I'd like rather hugs. not no, exactly okay. like, and like how about a high five and we'll do that instead and like it's totally comfortable and natural and these are all neurotypical people who aren't doing it because they need a crutch for it they're doing it because it feels comfortable for them to have like overt consent for everything even right. in friendship so important i that's great um what was i going to oh andrew what was what was your experience of the um first kiss and then also like advice from both of you of like what you would tell a guy or a girl on the spectrum for their first date and um, either like a recommendation of a good first date or you know how to get the wheels going yeah um first kiss was good <laughs> um, I feel like if I said I mean I almost I almost was gonna make a joke but I feel like I would get a smack upside my head if I <laughs> said anything else um, it was it was great, and um, you know it was it was relieving. Um, I think you know I, I think e even though it was relieving, there was also you know I was confident. I think I wouldn't have asked if I wasn't confident about it. My best friend was like texting him like she's really into you, like go for it, like <laughs> he wasn't sure. Yeah, um, but you know the experience of it, 
I think I think it helped that I was we were doing something that we were both comfortable doing. You know, we didn't go like too far out of our comfort zone. We weren't even at like a strange place, like a restaurant or like out outside in front of people. You know, we were just in my apartment. Um, and I think I think in a way that made both of us more comfortable. Totally. It didn't mean as much of a song and dance sort of situation. Um, we were both doing something that we both enjoyed, video games. So I think we were both immediately comfortable as well. Um, I think advice I would give in terms of first dates is, you know, because I've done, I've, I've sort of done both. I've done like the first date where it's, you know, just sort of chilling at somebody's apartment and you're like making dinner or you're playing video games. And those are great if you'd rather not sort of think about, you know, like, ooh, I'm going to take her there. And if the date's going well, then maybe we'll go to this bar after. And if that's that, then go here. Um, or sort of the stresses of like, ooh, what do they like? And I got to figure out all this stuff about them. You know, um, I would I would say in that sense, like home dates or like places that are comfortable or even like double gotcha. dates or, or something, you know, if it makes you feel better not to go on a one-on-one -on -one date, if you'd rather, you know, maybe go out with friends and consider that a date, you know, that could work as well if that helps um, sort of ease the tension and makes it easier to communicate. Right. Um, that being said, you know, there's also, there's also room for, you know, your more traditional go see a movie or go out to a nice dinner and then maybe the bar. Um, and then maybe, you know, one of my, I always used to do, uh, take take them to a, a pretty decent dinner, nothing crazy. And then, um, and then like go to a bar afterwards. And that, that was a format that always worked for me. Even if the date wasn't successful, I felt comfortable. Right. Um, in that format and I think um, and I always try to you know you a you ask them what they want to eat you don't want to presume you know because sometimes if you're like oh like you know for example I love Thai food so you know if it was up to me I would choose a Thai restaurant every time but I know for a fact you know Thai is not always going to be what somebody wants so um, I think just being on the first day just being open about like what do you want to do like what would you prefer this is what totally. I would prefer I'm flexible um, and I, I know for people on the spectrum, that sort of checking in and breaking from sort of your rigid format can be very tough. Um, but I think even 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 asking um, goes a long way because it, it, right off the bat, it makes it it, it shows that you're considering them. You you want to know more about them uh, via asking what they would prefer to do. Exactly, and also to figure out what e each other's formats are because I I'm. I'm someone who always likes an activity because the pressure of sitting across from someone and having to like have a whole conversation and have do that pressure of like the only thing between us is like the bread bowl or like the food like it's just too much so I like I like to do different kinds of activities or like you know batting cages or if that's too athletic I don't know bowling or you know different things that like you guys had video games that both of you felt comfortable in that, um, you know, activity. So I feel like mm -hmm. probably the pressure was alleviated as well. Oh, tremendously, yeah. yeah. Um, That's why I like, I feel like dinner and a movie dates should actually be reversed to movie and dinner, because then you have something to talk to about. To talk about, it. totally agree. Totally I think movie, movies are not a good date. I just, yeah, I don't think movies are Exactly. That was just to give you something to talk about if you're like totally awkward and panicking. I went on a movie date when I was 17 and we literally like talked when we got the tickets, went to the theater, saw the movie, 
And then by the time we get out of the movie, it was time to go. You don't get to talk and, at all, yeah. And I was like, we talked for maybe 10 minutes total. This was like the dumbest <laughs> we're done. <laughs> but so that's bad. the thing. Everyone thinks, oh, go to a movie. That's the perfect thing to do. But in reality, it, it it's yeah. probably not. Oh, better, it is for some people, maybe. Like, Although nowadays we have Netflix, so you could actually talk through it, which yeah. is helpful. So I will, a movie theater where you can't talk. Though so I will say uh, advice in general, but especially for girls, is be very wary of those like Netflix type of dates because Netflix and chill is a thing. Mm-hmm, Thankfully totally. now it's such a cultural phenomenon that people like have heard the term and kind of know what it means, but I still run into autistic women who don't know what Netflix and chill means, or even if they know what it means, they don't realize that when they're being invited over to watch Netflix, that that is Netflix and chill. What about Hulu and Hang? And that, like, <laughs> I feel like they're in the same like, ballpark, exactly. Yeah, exactly, to like, rules of thumb is like you know don't invite a guy that you don't know over to your apartment if you live alone definitely and you know, like, home uh if you're going to a guy's apartment make sure your friends know where you are and can like call you and pick you up if you're drunk like Great keep point, your Kirsten. guard up and make sure to watch for intentions things like that but definitely otherwise, like that's i feel like those types of dates are great once you've been on a couple dates and you know someone Exactly, exactly. That's why I would say like finding an activity, like even though you guys uh, were comfortable enough to do video games and and uh, that was a safe space for you, there's plenty of places in, you know, in New York City, I know, of like Barcade where you can do video games and you're outside and you're in a public space and, um, you know, it's not inviting people into your apartments and it's still a uh, an activity that you're comfortable doing. Like, I love bowling. I think it's the funnest, most goofy, like, amazing thing in the world. But, you know, someone else might not like that activity or whatever. But I feel like that's a safe activity where, you know, it can't be done inside <laughs> my apartment. So I would have to go and find a place to do that at. Um, though it's so important to, to bring that up. And thank you, Kirsten. Because I think... A lot of times when you say like you know have people over or you know be comfortable and be in a safe space it can get a little um, uh, Netflix and chili yeah exactly like I once had like my boring tinder date I we had drinks at a bar and then hung out at my apartment just to like hang out and I would not have done that if I didn't know that my roommate wasn't gonna be home like in an hour yeah like, if I lived alone, I would never have invited someone I just met on Tinder over to my apartment. Because then someone knows where you live. Totally. And, like, etc. There's all those variables yeah. you have to consider. Totally. This was so amazing. Thank you guys both so much for your perspective. And um, I really appreciate you um, talking with us today. I know that dating is tough, and there are a lot of unwritten rules. And we touched on some of them about what to do and what to say and how to act. And dating is like a muscle that needs to be exercised. We hope um, that needs to be exercised and we hope that you do that. Thank you so much again, Andrew and Kirsten, for being so open with us. And make sure you follow Kirsten at, do you have a social media handle? Yeah, I mean, my Twitter is Durston, D-U-R-R-S-T-E-N. Though also, if you just Google Kirsten Autism, I think I'm the only person who comes up and I think like the second or third link down is my blog. Brilliant. 
And Andrew, do you want to throw out a handle or you don't have to? No pressure. I am. I do not have a Twitter of any sort. I am a lame. I am a lame millennial. Um, I the I can be reached. I mean, if you, I'm happy to you know take messages and stuff like that at my at uh, my email, um, which is just Andrew M as in Mary Duff at gmail.com. Uh, I use that email to sort of field questions, comments, or if people need to talk about anything. So if you want to get to me, that's probably the best way. Awesome. Thank you both so much. I really, really appreciate it. And I feel that um, we will probably have you guys back on if that's cool with you. We can talk about that at a later date. Um, I loved all of your information. And everybody out there, make sure to follow Unipi on social media and be sure to sign up at unipi.com. Thank you all so much. Yeah.